Hello, this is Saul Luckman, and I'd like to welcome you to Saul Luckman Uncensored, sponsored by snooze2awaken.com, resources for lucidity. You can follow Saul Luckman Uncensored on BitChute, YouTube, Brighteon, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and many other sites. Today, I have a special guest. Actually, he's an old friend. If he's willing, I'll let him tell you how we met. Since 2014, I've had the pleasure to collaborate with Andrew Foss on a number of projects relative to my writing, as well as well-known astrologer Laura Walker's Oracle Report, for which Andrew manages the Facebook group. The last time I checked before getting booted off of Facebook for speaking too much truth, myself, I got booted off. That group boasted over 10,000 members. I'm not sure where it stands today. Andrew's also a writer on his informative and provocative blog, astrogardens.com and it's nice to have you on the show andrew i'm going to unmute you thank you saul it's a pleasure to be here with you today uh to to talk about your new book um as as you mentioned you know we met what, back in 2014 or so uh after snooze uh uh, snooze was was uh, released and it was interesting the way I met you uh, you were online and uh, trolling around kind of telling people about your book and I saw it and said wow I'd really like that and uh, picked it up I believe that was on a Thursday I finished it by Sunday and immediately called my friend Laura Walker and said Laura you need to read this book and the funny thing about it was she had picked up the call and she doesn't always pick up her calls. Uh, she was actually on vacation uh, out in the middle of nowhere and said, you oh know what, God. I'll pick it up. And the next day she picked it up. And it, I mean, for me, it simply touched a lot of different um, ideas that we had thought of or that we had been thinking about and mulling about, you know, 2014 is two, two years after 2012, and I think there was a lot of awakening going on uh, about what's going on in the world. Um, and Snooze just, um, it, it hit a lot of really, really great notes. I think I've read it now about four times, uh, but I'm pretty good at rereading books. I think uh, I just finished Lord of the Rings for the 17th time. Oh my God. Uh, maybe I've got more, too much time on my hands, uh, or it's just the way that I, that, that my mind works. You've got me beat there. I, I've probably read it a dozen times in my life. Uh, I will say that if I only had one book to read, that, that would be The Lord of the Rings or the trilogy. Uh, and I learned probably more about writing from those books than from anything else that I've ever read, not stylistically, but more about character development and a sense of a story arc and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's I mean, absolutely invaluable to me. As I say to my wife, uh, I reread Lord of the Rings because they're kind of like old friends and I want to revisit them. And she looks at me and thinks, you're crazy. Why would you want to read a book more than once? Uh, I think that she she herself, she never reads books twice. Uh, and she just picked up a book and started reading it. She, I think I read it before, but I'm not sure. And if I get halfway into it and realize I read it, I'm going to be really annoyed. <laughs> I'm like, just enjoy it, okay? Enjoy it. That's right. I think if a book I mean, is good enough to read once, it's good enough to read twice. I mean, and, and that's a lot of it. And, you know, you, you, you have a good book, a good story, and you want to see it or you want to read it again. I mean, I read, I, I see movies over and over again. Why not a book? 
Amen. Uh, and well, you know, uh, we, we were here to talk about this this new book of mine, which is well, yes. it's not it's not the sequel to Snooze, but it is a follow up, and it's also a borderline young adult coming of age type of book with a very large story arc and a lot of uh, mysticism, esoteric aspects, high adventure, magic, etc. Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, it's 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 definitely in your writing style. And as as I the way I describe your writing style, uh, it's conversational and the story gets going and the people are talking and it all just flows. Um, it's beautifully written and I just loved it uh, from the time I started it. Uh, and, you know, kind of, I said the same thing with Snooze. I mean, I, I think the first time I picked it up, I read it twice in two weeks uh, because I enjoyed the story that much. Um, with Callie, you, it's, to me, it came at the right time. You know, we're going through this pandemic. Uh, we're all locked up and we're all kind of questioning what's going on. And as you said, with Facebook, um, you know, I've, I've been working with Facebook since about 2007, when uh, soon after Facebook came online, uh, I worked in corporate America and someone at my company says, wow, we need to have a Facebook page. And I looked at them like, why? We sell police uniforms. Why do you care? Um, and slowly I got involved in it. Um, and then it kind of opened up communities. Um, and kind of what you, what's happened to you with Facebook and getting kicked off of it, it speaks to a lot of the things that you wrote about. Um, you know, I'm to the point where I am absolutely scared of Facebook. I know that they're, they're watching, they're looking at it. As you said, uh, they started censoring you and finally kicked you off. Uh, they have me so dialed back. Uh, n- very few people can see what I write. Right. So you've uh, I've got my, my, it's my listing of about 25 people. They, they have Oracle report. So nobody sees it. Although we've got 10,000 members, no one, maybe we get a uh, hundred interactions per day because they have it so dialed back. And, you know, part of that, part of that is, some of the influence of the things that you wrote, but you were one of 20 or 30 people that were talking about it. We were all talking about the things that you brought up. And, uh, you know, in looking at, looking at the last month's worth of, of disclosures uh, in the media um, and things that are going on, none of the stuff that you were talking about were bad. And in fact, they censored you for things that we now know should not have been censored whether it's the masking, whether it's the vaccinations, any of these things have been proven now, good old Mr. Or, uh, Dr. Fraudchi, uh, all of it was crap. And we were talking about it a year and a half ago. Right, right. I mean, I remember when I first started coming out and, and being very critical of the entire germ theory narrative and masks and, and looking ahead, of course, at the Jack scenes, I guess, which is my word. <laughs> you know, I actually chose that word for Callie the Destroyer because of censorship, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I actually had to change I mean, my language so that I don't get censored on Amazon. As, you know? as I read it, the first time I came across the word Jack scene, I almost fell off my seat. It was great. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's a part of the tongue and cheek thing. But yeah, I got mm -hmm. really, really, really attacked uh, roundly. Uh, you know, you saw me on Oracle Report and on my 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 personal page. People would just come after me. What I saw over time, however, was that happened less and less because I think people are waking up more and more to exactly mm -hmm. what you were talking about, that I'm not making this up. All of this is deeply flawed and wrong and weird and evil. And we have to wrap our minds around how to how to deal with it. And I guess in a nutshell, that's why I wrote Callie the Destroyer was to provide mm -hmm. some perspective on tools and 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 um, and a worldview that might help us get through what's going on by helping us identify who the enemy is, what evil is, and what we can do about it individually and collectively. Those were the big questions in my mind mm -hmm. as, I, as I wrote the book. Andrew, I thought I would read the back cover description so that if no one, if someone out there doesn't know what we're talking about with Callie the Destroyer, they'll, they'll get a, a flavor of what the book is about. And then maybe we could talk a little bit about the Oracle Report and, and where we're coming from, having been involved to some extent in Laura's circle, Laura Walker, uh, Laura's circle for a long time here. So okay. this, is the, this is the back text. It's very short. Best friends, check. Illegal lovers, check. Mythological entities, check. Callie and Juice aren't discovering love. They're discovering they've always been in love since the dawn of creation. In this page turner of a sci-fi tale set in an Orwellian future, seated in the dystopian present, resistance to the Archons appears futile. That is, until the goddess and her consort spectacularly reappear straight out of ancient Gnosticism to take on the control matrix of the fatherland. Will the luminous child awaken in humanity before it's too late? So that's that is a, a good that's a description. You like that? that? That's a great description. <laughs> I mean, and, and it, it kind of picks, picks up where, where the whole story goes. I mean, and one of my favorite parts of, of good dystopian fiction is touching on enough of reality to think, wow, this could happen. Mm. And, you know, you kind of brought, you bring it in. I mean, there, there, are, there are a number of pieces of dystopian fiction out there right now that, and, you know, you've mentioned them before, The Hunger Games. Uh, there is the... Um, uh, a Handmaid's Tale, maybe. Handmaid's Tale, Handmaid's Tale bugs the crap out of me because the original was good, the movie was okay, and the television series is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I and haven't watched the television series. I thought the movie was so-so. The the movie was okay. It was frightening, and and it came out at the same time as the movie Children of Men that was so much better. And I'm uh -huh. like, why would anybody watch this trash when you've got a you've got a movie that's a thousand times better? Uh, and then they picked it up and it became a movie about abortion and women's rights. It's like, no, this is about the government destroying your lives. Would you wake up? Right. <laughs> you right. Missed, I mean, they, right. they missed the entire point of The Handmaid's Tale when it got to TV and they turned it into this woke mess. Yeah, I imagine. I, I mean, I haven't seen any interviews with Atwood or anything like that, but I can't mm -hmm. imagine she's terribly happy. I I don't know still alive? how she... she is still alive, mm -hmm. isn't she? I would I would assume she's still alive. I don't know how anybody could be happy with what they turned it into. It became a you know it's a political jumping place for uh, all the morons in Hollywood who it's like oh wow what a horrible thing they did to women. It's like 
wait, if they did this to women, it means they could do it to anyone. Right. And they could, and, and that was the point of the book that's been totally lost. And I think that, you know, jumping into Callie, I, I remember as I started reading and I'm getting two to three chapters in and I'm trying to figure out, okay, exactly how messed up is this future? And trying to understand the ins and outs of what exactly happened. And, you know, it, it becomes really clear who the good guys are and who the bad guys are quick and what, what the good guys are going to have to do to get around it. Right. I wanted to point out that, you know, if anyone's out there, the book is going to be available soon. Right now it's over on my website at crowrising.com, crowrising.com. And it's spelled Cali with a C, C-A-L-I, Cali the Destroyer. The release date is the 20th of, of June. It's the solstice. I thought if you're going to write a book about the goddess, you need to release it on either the equinox or the solstice. But it won't be on Amazon probably for for a little bit while, uh, maybe a, a, a little bit after that. So I'm thinking, um, you know, certainly by sometime in July, it will be on Amazon and Goodreads and other places online. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you can get it through my website. It takes four to six weeks right now. They also have little COVID notices on my publisher. That, you know, we're slow because of, you know, <laughs> you know, all the excuses. It's like we're permanently slow because of, you mm -hmm. know, this fake pandemic so uh anyway having to deal with that but i wanted to go ahead and release it on the date that i set and and just let the chips fall where they may so uh so let's go back a little bit let's backpedal just a little bit and talk okay, about, sure. about our some of the background here for people who are familiar with the oracle report or who um who uh, might be interested in that. And this can include not in his image and John Lash and that kind of thing. So sure. where are we actually coming from as people who have been studying this material for a while? Well, let's, let's take it back to, it was around 2014 when you, Laura and I started, uh, it was during the, the, uh, the year that the, the energy was about the music of the spheres. And we had gotten together and had a number of fantastic phone calls uh, and meetings that we, we produced on, on YouTube where we talked about some of the things that were going on. Um, with the Oracle Report, Laura has introduced uh, a lot about astrology as well as about Gnosticism in general, which for everybody who, who doesn't know about it, it's uh, basically a, a religion form uh, back from even before Christianity. Uh, it, you hear about the mysteries and a lot of, the, a lot of information about Gnosticism um, in the early days of Christianity was stamped out. Uh, the Catholic Church didn't want it there and they systematically went and destroyed anything that they could find on it and killed anyone involved in it. Uh, right. And it slowly faded into obscurity uh, until uh, they found the Nag Hammadi texts. The Nag Hammadi texts, it was uh, kind of like everybody's heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, in Nag Hammadi, which is a city in, is in uh, Egypt. Uh, someone was digging in their basement and found a whole bunch of other texts. And they were parts of the Bible and very specifically books of the Bible that were never that never made it into the Catholic uh, uh, New Testament and Old Testament. 
there are stories about what was going on at the time that they just decided wasn't important. <laughs> uh, and you Sounds know, it's like a, a Twitter and Facebook, you know, uh, action yeah. publishers, right? I mean, you 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 take it take it back to the year 300 and whatever it was when the council of Nicaea got together and decided this, huh? 325. Yeah. And they decided this is what really happened. Uh, Okay. Here's this guy, Jesus, who screwed everything up for people in in Rome. Uh, Let's make him a God and make his mother a virgin. Okay. Uh, There we go. And 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 it doesn't fit that narrative. (laughs) Anything that doesn't, fit that narrative, eh, let's just burn it. I mean, the, the, the things that I would like to find in the basement of the Vatican one day, if I could get in there, I can only imagine what they're hiding. Oh, that's the truth. That's absolutely the truth. And it would be mind-blowing stuff, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Gnosticism was a constant questioning and talking about and finding out the mysteries of what's going on. Um, Laura then introduced us uh, in her her work. Um, to Can we back up just videos. a little bit, just oh, to unpack that a minute, because that's so important. So, so the Gnostics they they didn't worship the Christian God, obviously. So, who were who were they worshiping, or did they worship anyone? And this goes back to goddess worship, which still exists in the shamanic tra- traditions, and the goddess would be the goddess Earth. Uh, and in Gnosticism, that would be Sophia. Uh, Sophia was the the supreme goddess that um, in the, the story of Gnosticism, it, it's kind of a cosmic story. It starts uh, at the center of the center of our galaxy where uh, they believe that the gods uh, exist. There is a, a central god, and then there are many other gods that are that uh, were part of it. Um, I think that you were you were talking in in one of your other calls, and it's like the Titans. Uh, you hear about Zeus and Apollo and uh, the Norse gods. Those would be what we would we would see as as gods, uh, plural, rather than god capital G as the Christians or uh, the Muslims or any of the Abrahamic religions would say. And the Gnostics but, called that, that God, the, the Supreme creator, the originator, but that's the, the translation, yes. right? And the other gods are uh, quote unquote gods would be the Aeons, A-E-O-N-S. Yes. The Aeons. And the story of Sophia, she was an Aeon who what it was her job to create and she began creating and ended up creating our solar system. And in so doing, put so much of herself into it that she threw, blew herself out of the center and into the galaxy itself and became Earth. Uh, in so doing, she it blasted off parts of her. Uh, and those blasted off parts that as she was creating became what we know now as the archons mm-hmm. they are you want to go you want to go further on that 
Well, uh, uh, so was she alone? Was so was Sophia? Oh. I'll call her <laughs> Sophia because uh, I don't know. Some, sometimes I, I do that. Sometimes I say Sophia, but then, then people look at me strange. Quite all right. Um, in in addition, there was her consort, kind of her the yin to her yang. Uh, was Thelate, who would be the male version of what Sophia is. He was her protector. He came out with her, though did not become like she did and become the earth. And he has been here co-creating with her at the same time. So, and there are different inter interpretations too, that there is possible that he's, uh, he stayed behind or that he's projected his consciousness in some aspect. There's different ways of maybe mm -hmm. understanding his relationship to her. And there's also different ways of understanding maybe her relation to creating the earth. You know, uh, I know that in listening to some of John Lash's work, he wrote not in his image. He, he often talked about how Sophia would, was sort of, she fell to dreaming at the edge of the galactic center and then she tumbled mm -hmm. out and that kind of thing. So uh, I've mean, taken, I've definitely taken some creative liberties in the novel in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, describing I mean, if, if, a role in the creation of the solar system and that kind of thing. Yes, if, if you have uh, the time and the fortitude to get through Not in His Image, it is a brilliant book. Unfortunately, it's written at such a high collegiate level that it, it's almost unreadable. It's very, very difficult to get through. However, it is so densely packed with history that nobody really knows. He, he created that book by, I mean, the Nag Hammadi texts had come out. Most people couldn't read them because they were in Coptic Christian. Um, and it's a dead language like Sanskrit or Aramaic or some of these old languages. Coptic is out there, but no one really knows it. He actually taught himself Coptic in order to translate a lot of the Nag Hammadi texts. And, you know, he just did amazing work, but it's kind of hard to read. Um, if you can't find his book, he does have a website that's still somewhat in place called metahistory.com. And on that site, there is just deep levels of, of his writings that um, I, I, I give credit to the guy because his, his, his level of knowledge is huge. So, so in this story with, with uh, Sophia, so, she's, so however you want to define her relationship to the creation of the, of the solar system, you know, my, my fictionalization of, the, of this fallen goddess scenario is that there were other aeons maybe who created the solar system. Okay, that's good. So anyway, that was that was a liberty that I took or, or an interpretation that I that I adopted. But in any case, when she spins out of the pleroma into the kenoma, so from galactic center out into space, she freaks out, right? Mm -hmm. And and then from that freak out are born uh, are born the archons. And so the archons are, are what are they? Um, I had a very interesting uh, email correspondence with Duncan Rhodes uh, just today, in fact, okay. where we were discussing their, what they are. Are they real? Are they material beings? Are they not? Et cetera, et cetera. What's the, what is the, uh, what is, what about Lush and that kind of thing? So, so could you could speak to your understanding of, of archons? My understanding of archons. Um... I like to think of them as interdimensional beings. Are they flesh and blood like we are flesh and blood? 
I believe they may have that aspect to them somewhere. I don't know where. More of the manifestation that I know of the Archons comes through basically another dimension. And it's just kind of an evil force that comes in. And it's a force that does, and I, I tend to believe that humans here on earth are channeling them or they are, the archons are coming here and taking over different people in order to affect life here. Well, and Lash is very specific in describing them as mind parasites. Yeah, and I always had trouble with his explanation of it, exactly what it meant. And I do, I kind of like, I mean, and, and in your interpretation of it, I very much liked the way that you showed them taking over people because I believe it is as bad as that where there are people that are here on earth doing what they want and all of a sudden they're taken over and they start doing things that they would have never thought of right they come back into existence and they're kind of with it too right Right. And we, without speaking about specific characters or situations, yeah. that's, that's abundantly mm-hmm. uh, active. This dynamic, this possession dynamic is very active in Callie the Destroyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, and in, in my own life in the last, you know, eight years that I've been, uh, no, nine or 10 years that I've been studying this, I've seen enough times where I knew people where this was happening to them where they just became not themselves. And I said, that's the Archons. You need to get away from me. Is there like a bug spray I can use on you? <laughs> that's right. Raid. You need a little bit of raid. I mean, it's like, wow, spray, get away from me. Because and, and in the last five years, you see it more and more. They, and, you know, in, in, if you've been following the Oracle report, we've been talking about... Um, this time where all sorts of things are changing. 2021 is a new and crazy year that we have won, but they don't know it. And they're coming out and going insane. So could you back up and uh, say a few words about about Laura's predictions dating back to 2015 and and on the archons within the context of those predictions? I mean, we've... Everybody heard about 2012 and what what was supposed to have happened. Did anything happen 2012? Time has shown that life has been really, really strange for the last 10 years. In 2015, Laura, Laura, in her work and in the Oracle Report, began talking that there was a major energetic shift that's going on. There is a war going on between the forces of good, the goddess Sophia, and the forces of evil. And at the time, she said, by the way, good wins. Right now is the time where that is happening. And all of the archontic ventures into our world are being shown that it's all just fading. They've become, I mean, it's almost ridiculous. They come out and do something strange and it fails. And it's been a wonderful thing to watch over the past couple months. But they're still out there. And, you know, you, you're saying, oh, who are they? Start to look at the world and pay attention. As Laura, in, in Laura's work, she 
shows that uh, things happen astrologically. Uh, you know, different position, uh, planetary positions. She she spends a lot of time looking at the Black Moon and the Eris point and how these different interactions are being used by different people to interact with the world. Uh, if something's, and what they'll do is when certain times are activated, that's when they will attack. You can take a look at false flag events, things like um, uh, the nightclub shooting down in Florida a few years back, um, Sandy Hook, different, different false flag events tend to happen when there are astrological aspects in place. And she, she's been very good at pointing out, hey, everyone, take a look, pay attention for the next couple of days. This is happening astrologically. Uh, they're going to do something and to pay attention to it. Right, right. That's a really good point. I, I was going to, oh, no, I, I don't want to interrupt you. Keep going because you're on a roll. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. Go ahead. Oh, no, I blew you out of the water. I, I, I was going to actually read a, a few paragraphs from Callie that speak to this, this arconic dynamic. This is kind of a sneak, oh, fantastic. Sneak, sneak peek I into mean, the and, book. And I maybe mean, for, it'll spur, spur some more stuff. I'm sorry? I mean, for, well, for, for the people that, you know, that, that have been following, following Oracle Report, we pay attention to it. And I think a, one of the things that I loved about the book was how you brought this in. And since you're going to read about it, 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 it was a very, it, it really showed how this is, you know, showed fictionally how this could happen. And you kind of see it behind the scenes and it's like, oh my God. It, and then you realize it's happening in real life here. Right, because Laura right. had said, you know, that by, by 2020, that the, basically that the structure that the archontic structure the control matrix would be in the process of dissolution mm -hmm. right and that yes. and that you know i mean i i think a lot of us wanted wanted them all to be gone by the end of <laughs> 20 and then suddenly we're going into this pandemic and it seemed like things were getting worse but as 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 that has as that has kind of played out we're seeing that it's almost like it's a dead animal that doesn't know it's dead. It's still running, mm -hmm. you know, uh, excellent way of describing it. Right. So it's been shot through the heart and it's running until the blood runs out. So um, what I thought, what I, what I did in Cali was to take a look at, at how that, how that mind works, because what we see them doing over and over again is just repeating rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat problem, reaction, solution, Hegelian dialectic, and it's all their playbook is so obvious now. And even in the Q stuff and, and all mm -hmm. of that, for people who follow that, they constantly talked about how they, the, the good guys, the white hats knew the playbook. And the reason they knew the playbook is that these people are who are archontically controlled are like human robots in some ways. And they don't have creativity. They can't really improvise. They have to just carry out this kind of binary uh, computer program that they're being given is mm -hmm. that a fair, fair way of looking at it that's that's an excellent way of putting it i mean it's like i mean the, i i look at it the 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 commercials that they used to do for fighting cavities where where the 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 plaque things were we make holes in teeth that's how the archons are <laughs> they're coming at they're coming at you okay we're going to attack and I mean, as, as, as things have been pointed out, it's, 
it's rote. I mean, are, I now look at it and say, are they really that stupid that they think this is going to work? And then the mainstream media reports it as fact. And you're like going, God, that's right. They control half of it too. Oh, wow. Um, but I mean, more and more, I'm, I'm seeing how so many more people are waking up to it. I mean, <laughs> but go ahead. We can talk more about that in a few minutes. Sure. I'll read this little part. I, I, this is a conversation that's happening between the main character, Callie, and a, a person whose identity I will not disclose because I don't want to uh, do a spoiler here. But Callie asks the question. Um, she says, uh, no, she's told this. The Illuminati are the willing terrestrial servants of the Lord Archon, who demands everything from pedophilia and child sacrifice to war and chaos as offerings that create Lush. And Callie re replies, never heard of it. Lush is a hyperdimensional energy given off by the human soul when traumatized. The Archons parasitically feed on it. Think of it as their simulacrum of Kundalini. Why is seemingly everything the Archons do counterfeit? because they lack the capacity to create anything truly original. In their insane jealousy, they can only mimic the divinely instilled creative capacity of the Anthropos, which is the human species. Mm -hmm. So are the Illuminati still technically even human? That is a probing question. If the definition of a human is a child of the goddess in possession of an immortal soul and the ability to invent, the answer would most certainly be no. So then later, Callie asks, don't the Illuminati realize they're just pawns in someone else's game? Even if they realize this, I will wager they are beyond caring. They have been completely integrated into the AI. The AI. The artificial intelligence. This is another term for the archontic hive mind. It is a binary operating system that imitates the many shades of gray characteristic of human intelligence, only to end up as a circumscribed parody of it that processes everything strictly in terms of black and white. Good versus evil, man versus woman, rich versus poor, east versus west, liberal versus conservative. Take your pick. Anytime you see dichotomies that ignore the human experiment's infinite nuances, you can be certain you are encountering the archontic mind. <laughs> that about sums it up. I think that's, uh, we said enough. Really, it really does sum it up. And it, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it brought up five different conversations that I could go on. I think, I think I like that you brought in, <coughs> um, that whole parasite thing and it brings up the subject that uh, of course the mainstream media tries to shut down every time they turn around uh call it pizzagate call it the pedophilia i, I mean am, am i just a strange human being that thinks why in the hell would anybody do that so you have to um really think why would they they have to be getting something out of it other than a sexual fix Right. And it, and that, that's the thing. It's like, hey, you know, sex is a great thing, but you don't kill other people for it. And from what I have seen, there are far too many of these people that are 
gaining something that, you know, it's people say, oh, well, why, why is there pedophilia? Um, I'm telling you, they are stealing the life essence out of these, out of these children. Well, there's the adrenochrome piece of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll go back a a few years back in 1990, when I lived in California, I used to work uh, in Hollywood. Uh, I helped to manage three theaters and it it was just telling, selling t-shirts, but it meant that I would be at some of these really large gala events. Uh, I remember being at one and seeing a number of, uh, call them movie stars. And as they walked by, they were truly larger and more amazing than life itself. They absolutely shone. I mean, and and there wasn't a spotlight on. There was something about them glowing. And it's like, didn't know it then, but I know it now. So you would attribute that to the adrenochrome? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a beauty that is impossible. So how do you, how do you figure loose into that discussion if you, if you buy into that? Um, that it, there is that life essence that they are getting from it. And That's you good. think, and I, I, I have no problem calling it adrenochrome. They are finding something, they are getting something from it, and they are, you know, the, the people get it. It's going into the archontic atmosphere. It's, and, and you think, wow, they're feeding us. I mean, you, uh, have you seen the movie Jupiter Rising? Yes. Uh, it talks a whole lot about that kind of thing. And, it, well, hey, what, wait, that's fiction. <clears throat> Start to think about it, though. Yeah, you start to begin, I mean, you, you begin to feel like there's almost no such thing as fiction in many of these Hollywood big budget movies. They're always pushing no. some, some narrative that is related to their agenda, which is very real. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it, we're, we're way off of, of where the story, your story, Callie, goes. But as with many things I found with, your, with the book, it brings up these little issues that are so much wilder and so much more frightening that are right in front of us. What comes to mind when you say that? If you if, if you uh, were if I asked you what's one of the biggest issues that Kelly brings up along those lines? Oh, music. <laughs> music. The music. The music and and it, that it's it's probably the most important thing to me uh, because I have always had an affiliation with music. Uh, I love the storyline where she's a singer and she is able to use her voice in ways that uh, towards through, throughout the book to affect the world. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've read a lot of your books and uh, got involved in um, uh, some, of, some of the work that, that you were doing. And the uh, actually, I'll show you right here. <laughs> Still have my uh, oh, that's great. That's great. I I use this often just because it's it's the magic sound. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. That note is in the text. Did you pick pick up on that? Yeah, it it that note is in the text, and it's it's another one of these important 
things that I think has been hidden from us by the Illuminati. There is a, there is a musical language out there that is programming us. I mean, and put, put it this way, um, going back into religion, and I, I kind of brought this up with you at one point, the Catholic Church has created all of these prayers, and you find them in the Bible, you find them in the prayer books. Uh, let's, let's think about this. How many Christians out there every week are saying the Lord's Prayer? They say it the same way, with the same words, and in the same cadence. You're taught from an early age how to do it. Well, you've got millions and millions of people saying it over and over again. There is something in that prayer that is doing something for someone. The question is who? And that's the English version. Think about what it was in Latin or Aramaic or wherever it came from. Because the people back 2,000 years ago knew a hell of a lot more about this music than we do now because any knowledge about it has been squelched and sequestered in the same way that Gnosticism was squelched and sequestered. Right. And there was a, there was and, a, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Nope, nope. It's, 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 it's one of the, the, the story arcs that I just, I mean, it, it has sent me thinking over and over and over again, how, how deep does it go? Uh, because I think that there is a depth to that language that we don't know, and I want to. I know that, that, that myself, I have sensitivity to it. If I hear a song and it'll come into my mind, it's there. All of a sudden, it's showing up more than just in my head. Uh, whether it's showing up on a commercial, whether I hear it on the radio, whether I hear other people singing it. That song is out there in the atmosphere somehow, and I don't know how. Hmm. and it means something and this comes across at least once if not two or three times a week i'm picking up on it and it's happening in more than one place yes i mean you're certainly preaching to the choir here i have similar experiences to, to give people a little bit of background here there was a, a book that came out in the 1990s by dr leonard horowitz it was co-authored with Dr. Joseph Puglio. I think at the time that wasn't the name that was being used. The, this other doctor, Puglio, feared for his life. And he had rediscovered what he claimed was the ancient creational scale. He <laughs> called it, they ended up calling it the Solfeggio scale. Yes. And it's these six notes, one of which Andrew just rang. And that's the me note. That's 528 hertz, I believe. Yes, 528. And... And my own work in healing, I healed myself using sound, sound healing years ago when I was damaged very severely by Jaxine. So this is a personal thing for me. This is a personal battle uh, that I'm engaged in because I really want to stick it to these archons that almost killed <laughs> me and uh, many other people that I've worked with. But I employed the Sofeggio scale. I did this with my partner, Lee, along with vowels, a certain, certain language that some researchers have called the language of the birds to uh, use that language of the birds in a certain way to heal myself and to work with a lot of other people who've had all kinds of problems. 
the results have been amazing. I've got two books out about that. One's called Potentiate Your DNA. That's the sequel to Conscious Healing. You can look up both of those. They're mm-hmm. all over the place. Uh, I've read them both. They just, just came out in uh, Spanish. And I've got mm-hmm. it. Someone's working on translating it into French right now. We'll have to see if that, that materializes. But uh, she's been sending me sample chapters. So that's exciting. It'd be very nice to have it in French also. Where I'm going with this is I, when I began to write uh, Callie, I knew that this had to be a big part of the of the story. Now the story had been given to me, so uh, I woke, I, I went to bed one night and literally downloaded the whole story. I think I downloaded it from Sophia. That's that's my interpretation, and and I'm you know if that's offensive to anybody, or I'm happy it, with that. I'm very happy with says that. that it's, I'm I'm engaging in blasphemy, and they're a hardcore gnostic. I, I'm just going <laughs> to actually believe that it, that that you know, that it actually came to me from the goddess. And I'll, I'll stick by that. And I want to talk more about that in a minute. Okay. But so I got the whole plot and part of the plot was you need to use the language of the birds in a certain way to convey this, this truly magical language that can change the world. Mm -hmm. And that became a major part of Callie, the destroyer. So, uh, you know, I want people to know that, Callie the Destroyer in some ways reads like a how-to manual for the language of the birds and for the regenetics method. In some ways, it doesn't exactly teach you how to do regenetics, but it teaches you all the principles that are involved or most of the principles yeah. mm-hmm. that are involved in regenetics. And it's, I mean, it's, it's something, you know, where I, I think that musicians are out there right now making music that feels right to them without realizing what they're doing tapping into some of these sound waves and they're able to do it sure the question is how much do they know how much are they downloading like you did and how much of it has gotten out there that has uh i'd I'd like to think cleansed people's souls because i don't know how much of it can be used to hurt people other than the fact that they changed the scale so many years ago so that we weren't getting closer to it Right. There's a there's a great article on my blog at snooze to awaken.com and that's snooze with the number two awaken.com by Brendan Murphy. He he wrote a great book some years ago called uh, the, the Grand Illusion, a synthesis of science and spirituality. He's a regenetics method facilitator. He's he's been on my mm-hmm. team for years. He's really fantastic. And he let me publish this great article of his several years ago and it's called the the nazization of music and you can look Mm -hmm. that up on on my blog and it's about this shift of the of the western musical scale they tweaked it just enough to turn it from something that was either neutral or beneficial to the cells of our body and our our minds and our 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 spirits to something that's actually harmful and Mm -hmm. negative and that's the that's the scale that we're taught and that we use now so we're constantly being bombarded by music in a scale that is designed to dumb us down. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take that, take that a step for, farther away from music and how long was it that the Catholic church tried to keep all learning in of uh, the, what they called um, the, 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 all of their texts had to be in Latin. It meant that most people couldn't read it. They had to go to the priests to learn anything or to find anything out or to worship. Uh, thank you to the British who decided to translate it into English, which just destroyed the, the, the Catholic Church. 
I mean, God knows they've been they've been doing things in Latin ever since, and it's taken them so long or up until up until this century before they even allow it in English. Uh, and mm. what is what is being translated there? Who was who was or whose message got through when they translated the Bible? I believe that that unfortunately my 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 feelings on religion are very um very cynical. Uh, there are people who are using the word and beliefs in order to control the masses and what they're getting from the masses, whether it be uh, some form of adrenochrome in a, a mass, uh, mass awakening, they're using it. I, this brings up a really important point, and it's a, a major uh, theme in Callie the Destroyer. We have to talk about who God is. If the goddess is the earth, then she was an aeon. Yes. And she, that story is largely unknown because it was destroyed through massive genocide over many <laughs> centuries. Right. So that means it was important enough to the church to destroy not just the story, but anybody who might remember it. Mm -hmm. So they were very threatened by it. And this this is sort of evidence that that John Lash used to conclude that the story was true. Mm -hmm. So so if we know based on the story that Sophia, Sophia is the goddess, the earth, then who is God? according to these these monotheistic religions and if you're asking me and and the the probably the frightening part of this is we have grown up thinking that the god of the religions of choice is the god of good but if you look at gnosticism it questions that and so everything that it questions becomes blasphemy. Is the God that is the God of, uh, you know, G-O-D, Allah, call it what you want, is that the God of good or is it an archontic piece of control? Call it that. And so from the, from the, from the Gnostic perspective, then the, the religions would be the, the major Western religions in this case would be aspects of the control matrix. Yes. Which is in some ways perfected in the fatherland in our fictional future in Cali, the destroyer. <laughs> yes. And, you know, 200 years in the future, they're going to do things better or more effectively than they were happening here. Right. But the seeds for, for that futuristic dystopia are, are we're living through them right now. And in some ways, the book is a cautionary tale for all of us that if we don't right these wrongs, if we don't confront the real enemy, which would be really the archons in this case and their minion, mm-hmm. and if we cannot defeat them or neutralize them in some sense, then, then we're in really big trouble. Agreed. Now, go ahead. I I love you. I love your your uh, your input and all of this. It's so valuable. Um, Oh, thank you. No, I didn't interrupt you. you In reading Callie, I've got to say that there were that a lot of these issues came up and they are issues that I've been thinking about. We've been working on. We've read about in the Oracle report. We've heard warnings about them. Uh, And then. 
nobody's really followed up and you're just kind of watching it happen. The great thing about this book is it brings out, okay, here's what has happened 200 years later because nothing was done. There was no way of stopping these people from taking over. So they took over in ways that are frightening. And I think that, that as you say, it's a cautionary tale because it brings up all of these things and takes them to their, their frightening conclusions. Right. They're the, kind of the logical end result of all of that. I thought it might be helpful to listeners here, Andrew, to share the epigraph from the book. Okay. And, sure. and then to talk about it a little bit, because it brings up uh, a, a couple of uh, a handful of different elements that we haven't discussed yet that I think are really, really important. So this is the okay. epigraph, and it's this is uh, from the Gnostic text known as On the Origin of the World. It's very short. And it's the moment when, when Sophia confronts the Lord Archon, who's also known as the Demiurge, the false creator god, right? Yes. And he, one of his names, I believe it's in Aramaic, is Saklos, which means the fool or blind fool, maybe. And it, that's appropriate because even though he's this huge, powerful reptilian being who appears, uh, you know, supernatural, he is blind and is is completely delusional in that he believes he created the world when in fact he is just a byproduct of his own creator's uh, mm -hmm. freak out, essentially. Yes. <clears throat> so she it also is her child. And would this would also, because we are also Sophia's children, they, the Lord Archon would be like our older brother, which is a mm -hmm. pretty scary uh, notion. But this is what Sof Sophia says to him. You are mistaken, blind one. There is an immortal child of light who came into this realm before you and who will appear among your duplicate forms in your simulated world. And in the consummation of all your works, their entire deficiency of truth will be revealed and dissolved by this luminous child. So my question to you, Andrew, is what do you think the luminous child is? <sighs> The luminous child. I, I I liked. I very much liked the way that you handled the luminous child in this as being a child born in that is going to bring some form of salvation. And it's funny because religion has talked about uh, this form of sal salvation. Um, but do, actually, do you think it's part of salvationism, or is it somehow different from that that type of narrative? Um, I. What I'll do is I will stretch to a completely different religion, and that would be the Buddhists. Okay. The, and the idea of the Buddha was that he reached enlightenment. He reached nirvana and was able to see everything. I think it is at that point of seeing that the luminous child comes out, where Buddhism probably doesn't go far enough because they see it as simply a place to get to a level of understanding that they can either come back to teach or seek to get there. This luminous child is the, the ability and, you know, call it, it is Pandora's box. It is what opens up all of the knowledge to the world of who we really are. 
And by doing that, by shining light on what is really happening, it dispels the archons. The archons are, are false. It will dispel falsehood because we will see reality. We will see things as they are. I like that. I like that. So also in that epigraph, and you, you just touched on the first part of that, of, of this dynamic, and in the consummation mm-hmm. of all your works, which I interpret to be now, when everything is at, at the height of fakery, we are living in this total simulacrum of a reality. Mm-hmm. So that, it, that would be the consummation of all your works when vaccine passports are about to go live, <laughs> when people are being locked down, when you're, you're about to control us utterly. The, their entire deficiency, meaning the work, their work, the works, their entire deficiency of truth will be revealed and dissolved by this luminous child. Mm-hmm. So the, the reveal part is what you were just talking about, right? Yes. You, that, was, that was the first part of what you were talking about. So yes. there's this awakening going on that's the, the light being shined on the falsehoods, right? Yes. So how do you see the dissolve part of that? So there's the, there's the, there's the revelation, but there's the dissolution also. I mean, you know, in, in a book that's called Callie the Destroyer, you have to talk about the dissolving part of it because that seems to be where the rubber really meets the road. Right now, we're on the, the on-ramp to that. Yes. The way, the way I, I mean, the way I see it, it, and if you need to do a visualization uh, on it, all of a sudden, a light comes out. Call that the luminous. That light is so bright, it will dissolve the falsehood of who the archons are. Everyone will now see them for who they are. It is the emperor's new clothes. Everything that they tried to do is, is revealed as false. Uh, if you take it, consider it in, in the movie, They Live. It's the minute that you put on the, the sunglasses Glasses, and yeah. you can see all of the signs and the joke of what was, what's going on. This is what the luminous child will do. All of a sudden, it's an awakening of, oh my gosh, what have, what's been going on here? And it will disarm them. So you think that's what actually disarms the, yes, uh, I, I, I think that by, by opening it, by, by revealing it, it disarms them. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. I was going to, I'll share my perspective on that, which is a little bit different. I mean, it's related in many ways, but okay. there's, a, there's a sort of an addendum to that I wanted to bring out. But at first, I wanted to talk about Laura's idea that the, somehow Sophia had left the planet. Yes. And, and still... I don't want to just come right out and say that I 100% disagree. And I, I just want to, I want to see where you are with that. I completely did not understand what she was saying. And I'm, I'm at a loss for where she was going with Sophia has left the planet. Because we are still talking about the Mahavidyas and the Mahavidyas are very specifically an aspect of Sophia herself. Right. She, I don't think that Laura has adequately explained what she meant by it and where it is, where, where, what that meant. 
but I can hope that it means that she is actively revealing things to people. In your, in your idea, it is the birthing of a luminous child. I believe that at that point, and I, and I look, looking at the last six months, I believe at that point, everyone's eyes were starting to open. Uh, hey, wait a second. All this stuff that we were saying were lies are actually what's happening. And I mean, it, you, you take a look at the mainstream media and nobody believes a damn word they say anymore. Right. Thank God it took them long enough. Uh, and uh, the politicians are, you know, we've been saying they're full of shit and everyone knows it. And nothing that they say, unless you're in, in the mainstream media, is being listened to. Mm. And I think if, if anything, it's becoming very obvious who is still asleep and who is not. Because, I mean, as, as, as I hear a false story in, in people talking and you see people who are completely like gaga, uh, and you're like, oh my God, you're, you're, you're one of them. And I've truly come to the point of, I just shut myself out to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I, I, I have, I am very intolerant of that these days. I, I can mm-hmm. tell you that for sure. I've, I've always tried to give them, give them uh, a, you know, understanding. No, there's no understanding anymore. Right, right. I mean, I see, I, I see them on Facebook. I see them in real life and I hear them talking. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, you're one of them. No, thanks. I'll just keep walking. <laughs> wow. Wow. So let me share something. Uh, let me okay, share sure. perspective. Uh, now that we've sort of uh, talked about Sophia and the planet and whether she's here or not, that kind of thing. I, I'm going to say that I believe she's still very much here as the planet that the, that the, the Mahavijas are, are still very much in play, the wisdom goddesses. And uh, of course, the I'm Mahavijas. accepting that as well. And, and, and just so people know, the Mahavijas are, are actual characters, as is Sophia in Cali the Destroyer. These are, you get to meet them, you know, so yes. that's, that's kind of fun. Um, that was, that was, that was a beautiful part of the book and I, I just felt like oh my god I'm home I get to, I get to hear them yeah yeah and so so and it was really fun to write them and get to know them that way again the mm-hmm. whole plot was given to me and one of the really strange things is the plot was given to me in late 2019 and it involves <laughs> the whole pandemic scamdemic and the vaccination program and all of it that's kind oh, of yeah. how we get to this dystopian future so that to me suggests that I was I was being given inside information from a higher source, and I'm I'm gonna and I'm going out and just publicly stating I feel like that was the goddess. I feel like I, there, there were enough signs in my own life to suggest that, and I want to I want to take this a step further, and I want to I want to be even more blasphemous, at least in a in, okay. a, in a theoretical way, and I want to point out that the things that we call scriptures, even the Nagamati texts. Uh, many of the books of the Bible. These were things, these were texts that were written by human beings. Mm-hmm. And many of them were actually literally fictions. There are stories yeah. in these histories. Some of them are histories, but they, they, even in the histories, there are fictions. And sometimes the 
histories are fictitious. And so the, the fiction and history are very much interwoven. And mm -hmm. I'd like to think that what I got to do to some extent in Callie was to write not history, but her story. <laughs> right. And that's that's an excellent way of putting it. I, I my my feeling and, you know, every time I think about the 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 Christian Bible, it it just confounds me that people will even look at it and pay attention to it, knowing that it was put together and written by people who did not even know the Jesus that they were writing about. Right. That it was oral history that they were telling. And now people look at that or that written down oral history as absolute fact. And it's like, you do realize what you're saying. And it was written you hundreds, might, hundreds of you years. Might as well later, just call right? it Dr. Seuss as far as I'm concerned. Dr. Seuss. I just wanted to emphasize and you know to back you up there that sometimes the these books of the Bible were written hundreds of years after Jesus' yeah. death. Mm -hmm. So so there are lots of problems in terms of the the veracity, the eyewitness quality, all of that yeah. going on. So here's my blasphemy, and I'm just gonna put it out there and people can do with do with this what they want to. I, I, I'm suggesting that we can read Callie the Destroyer as modern-day Gnostic scripture. I can accept that. And the reason I, I believe that is because it was so inspired and given to me in a way that I more or less faithfully followed from a source that I believe to be a very high, well-meaning source, i.e. the goddess. Mm -hmm. And it, So what that means to me is that we can, if that's true, and if we just want to say this is a thought experiment just to just play play along as if this were true if 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 we can do that then the way that the archons are handled in this book is really really significant it means that maybe that's yes. what's going to happen mm -hmm. <laughs> so we have the revelation the light of truth being shined on the the falsehood of the the archons works but then we have the dissolution. There's something that dissolves it. Now, one of the one of the themes that we've seen coming out of John Lash's work, and uh, uh, Laura picked up on this, was that for the longest time since she since she became the planet, Sophia was asleep. She was in her own dream or perhaps nightmare, and that's that's certainly mm -hmm. thematized in Callie the Destroyer. Yes, right. So I. Um, I was rereading that epigraph and I was looking at dissolution, uh, uh, the, uh, the revealed and dissolved line. And I was thinking about, that means that re revelation is light. And if that's true, and we're in this world of all of these yin yangs, then it's light and sound because that relates to all of my work with those two energies, mm -hmm. light and sound. So the dissolution must be sound. Something has to involve sound, and you brought up music. Now, this is not yeah. explicitly covered in the book, but here was the scenario I was given when I saw that, and I saw that after writing the book, as I was sort of mm -hmm. looking and rereading my own book, and I'm learning things from it like I never even wrote it, which is really good. <laughs> I realized that what happens when the goddess wakes up? What happens when you awaken from a nightmare? 
it's a shock. But what do you do? You gasp, and that is sound. <gasps> mm-hmm. It's almost like the earth itself in the process of awakening, when, when we have shined enough truth that enough people are awake and can handle the energy and the, and the goddess can actually wake up, she's going to make a sound. And that's going to be the dissolution of the archons. She is going to reintegrate that reality in some ways with where this experiment was originally headed. I can accept that. And, and, and I, probably I, use some octave version of the solfeggio scale to do it. I would even, I would even go so far mm-hmm. as probably the I've mean, got, 528 hertz and a much lower octave, I would assume. Mm-hmm. I've got to say that it's... Because lately we've been seeing really crazy things going on with the Schumann resonance. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, very it, much it's so. Crazy. It, it very much backs up this concept, or at least the, the possibility of this. I know years ago, Greg Braden wrote about this in a book that drew a, a significant amount of criticism, but he was really arguing that, mm-hmm. that, that, you, that the, an increase in the, in the Earth's frequency was tied to the awakening or the enlightenment of humanity. Yeah. So I'm just, I put it out there. I've never stated this publicly. Uh, it is what it is, and I don't expect everyone to agree with that or like it or anything like that. But I wanted to give you some additional context for why I think this book is meaningful and, I, and important, not because I wrote it, but because of the way it was given to me and the story that it tells. Mm-hmm. And I, I, in hearing, I've read the book, I felt that through the story it is a story that was happening and i think then you know it's it's funny because it was supposed to be 100 years or 200 years in the future i felt that it was playing itself out even today I'm and glad. it's it is it is a reality that i mean it, if if this is the cautionary tale what can turn what it can turn into in 200 years the question is, can that be circumvented? Uh, do we have 200 years of our content control or can we, or is this now the time where that will stop? Exactly, exactly. I, I, I'm choosing to believe that the 200 years in the future scenario part of the book is the cautionary aspect of it, that, that, that mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have to live this archontic nightmare that the awakening in the luminous child can happen in real time now. I like that thought. It's necessarily going to based on the way I feel about things, but I think that Mm -hmm. there are many signs, (laughs) like we talked about earlier in this conversation, many, many signs that the archontic plan is falling apart. And we can certainly be, be uplifted by that, that, that notion. I would definitely agree. So we've covered some wild stuff. I know that maybe some people who are coming at this from never having even thought about Gnosticism, if you've listened this far, I, I don't know where you are with this conversation, but I, but I hope yes. you learned a, a thing or two, maybe, and that uh, you've been inspired to look uh, into it a little more closely. The resources that I would, I would uh, provide people with would include Not in His Image by John Lash, the, the the Gnostic texts, there are translations of them. You can look mm-hmm. at those. Yes. Or, oraclereport.com. Mm-hmm. 
Oracle Report Facebook group, which you can go there and join. And Callie the Destroyer, which is what we've been talking about mostly in this discussion. And you can you can uh, find out more information about Callie at crowrising.com. And there's a tab where you, where my books are listed and you can click on uh, Callie the Destroyer and, and begin learning more about it. And you can also pre-order that until June 20th at a 20% discount. And after that, it'll, it'll, go, mm-hmm. it'll go to regular price. And by the way, anybody who's still, still listening and thinking, wow, this, was, uh, this is really, really deep. Do I want to go there? It's a fun story. It is a page turner that you will not believe that, oh my God, I've gotten to the end. Uh, it, it is all written as just a beautiful story. And, you know, I thank you, Saul, for, for bringing it to us. Oh, that's very sweet of you. I, I, I'm, I'm really honored that you would say that. I really appreciate it. You know, you were a, a, a really big part of this book in many ways because of all the conversations we've had about these subjects over the years. So I've learned, I've mm-hmm. learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from Laura. And, uh, you know, I, I would even go so far as to say it would never have happened without you. So I really, really appreciate that interaction. It's meant a lot to well, me. It may, it, it, for all the time that I think, why do I keep doing this? It makes it worthwhile. Well, listen, uh, people can find us in these various pl- yes. places. I think we've, we, we're at a really good point. Maybe we could chat just a moment when we sign off here. But um, Okay, great. I, I, I want to thank you for coming on my channel and, and my podcast and, and, and really sharing some great information and great perspectives. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, again, it, it, it was an honor to read the book. It was uh, a beautiful piece of work. And I recommend people to, hey, go and order it. Um, you know, don't wait to give money to Jeff Bezos. Order it directly through Saul. Uh, that's my commercial to you only because uh, Amazon pisses me off. But, but then go on Amazon uh, and leave a review. I mean, but yeah, definitely go to Amazon, <laughs> leave a review. They'll like it. Uh, it. It makes sense. You got, I mean, as I, as I keep saying, I stay on Facebook because that's where people are. Uh, but more and more people aren't finding anything. So it's not worth it, but we still do. Uh, it is coming out on the tw- 20th or the 21st? The 20th. On the 20th. So definitely go there and order it. it it's well worth the time. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to you, Andrew, for being here. And to everyone, may the luminous child awaken in you.